Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories, hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stupski, Brad King, Alex Welsh, and Eric Hibbs. Here on episode 19, we sit down with our good friend Mike Alexander, the president and founder of Flow Air Ride Manufacturing. It's not going to stop. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. Anything more. There's only so much to give. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on that note, sure. Uh, what the hell? Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And uh, with us tonight is a man who, if I sat here and introduced him by everything he's done, we'd run out of time and probably stretch us over five or six episodes. We'll just but, send his resume. <laughs> that's what we'll do. We'll start reading it. We'll read it in the round. It'll be great. <laughs> Uh, with us tonight is Mr. Mike Alexander. Mike, how are you, man? Well, sir, well. Outstanding, man. I mean, you are like the busiest guy I, I, I think I know in the entire world right now. <laughs> and you know a few dudes. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all in the bag. Great start. Oh, boy. Um <laughs> It just it it goes downhill from care your kids. Uh, anyway, uh, on that happy note, uh, you right now, man, uh, with everything you got going on with um, with flow and geez, dude, I, I don't know how you keep up, but um, man, how are you getting sleep? Let me start there. When do you find time? Well, those are the hours that I get all the other things done. <laughs> That's so there thing. is a bot. Okay. <laughs> No, for sleep, um, it comes in waves. You know, you just pick and choose your battles. I definitely, I try to stick to about five hours. I can, I can function on four to five hours pretty well. Nice. That's about where I'm at. You know, sometimes two. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes none. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, I need like seven to nine. You're you're the full <laughs> eight guy every time, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. Usually, yeah. Yep. Yep. Can't do oh. that. Yeah, Brad. Brad, what do you get? Like fifteen, sixteen hours? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, sure. About six. I'm usually around six. That's that's good. Six is solid. Around six, you start the Geritol drip. Look at that. <laughs> and then go straight to coffee, man. I'm up and I'm pounding it down. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of that, I mean, we substitute sometimes cocaine. I mean, whatever it takes. Oh, right? dude, whatever it takes. <laughs> it works quicker. <laughs> We're all about efficiency. Time management. <laughs> Time management. There you go. <laughs> so speaking of time let, let's go way back in time here and say like man god i i first came across you i think when you were at, at mini trucking okay as a kid your intro to the whole world did you start with mini trucks yeah so like i wrote a letter to the editor of mini trucking magazine when i was in junior high wanting to get a job there that's how far back I had been sucked into the the low rider mini truck side of things. Nice, <laughs> cool. So, like, what did you did you when you built your first? How old were you when you started? Um, so 
started really getting interested in junior high, cutting all the pictures out, plastering them on the wall, you know, going to school, not doing the schoolwork and looking at magazines. <laughs> then from there, it became kind of that like, you know, childhood obsession, bought a project, you know, kind of a little beater truck, try to do some stuff myself, fairly quickly realized my hands don't listen to my brain. <laughs> I'm not as hands on as, you know, a lot of my other buddies who are quite more talented than I am. <laughs> But you have talents in other places, so. Yeah, exactly. So from there, I really did, you know, all throughout junior high and high school, I told myself I didn't want a real job. Somehow I had to do something with cars. <laughs> nice. And, you know, really young on, I, I started doing the magazine stuff as just a hobby, a freelance thing to try to figure it out. Um, why I worked at Circuit City for uh, doing car stereo was my first job. Whoa. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so that's and that's almost the ideal job too when you're like when you're bombing around with your your other friends who are into that kind of thing if you're the stereo guy oh, or yeah. the guy who works at the uh, the parts store or the tire yep. shop yeah tire shop for sure or pizza hut oh <laughs> I think about that Dude, yeah, cause we, didn't, we didn't have a pizza guy in our group stereo or pizza is what you need in your circle <laughs> <laughs> so your your first project do you, do you want to talk about it, or is that one of those where you go, we don't discuss that truck anymore? <laughs> no, I mean, there there were a couple kind of simultaneously. I mean, just like now, back then, I was a squirrel. You know, ooh, shiny, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this, let's do that. So there were a couple <laughs> kind of right out of the gate. <laughs> the first big project that you might have seen um, would be, once I came into Mini Truck and Magazine, was that S10. Uh, we did, like, a full frame, uh, pretty crazy, uh, way back when, at Sadistic Ironworks, even. Um, it was literally a garage build, building a full frame with cutoff wheels and tie straps to bend to pie cut tube chassis. Like, oh, it was pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, that was 1998 ish. That wasn't the one for you. That wasn't that long ago, but for me, that was a lifetime ago. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, I mean. It, that was like 47. Yeah. <laughs> that was more than half my life ago. <laughs> I was kind of out of mini trucks by that time. It, it's, you know, I, I that's when uh, I kind of dropped out of the mini truck scene when things went from air shocks to air bags. Right. Early 90s. Like right yeah. around. Early 90s. Yeah. Wow. I, started, I started having kids and stuff and right. the, I needed something a little bit more reliable by that time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was extra tabs on static pompadour. Stuff like that. <laughs> late, <laughs> late 80s, it really bloomed and, you know, launched the magazine. Right. Uh, early 90s was definitely the fun era of you can do it on the weekend, build the truck, you know, static drop it, get it to the show and still get back to your life. Um, right. And then it slowly snowballed into full chassis, big wheel, you know, ridiculous Riddler S10s like mm -hmm. mini trucks. Let's yep. put a hundred grand into something that's worth ten grand, no matter what you do to it. <laughs> yep. I looked at that and just went, I got like five grand in my whole truck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, there was definitely um, a shift. I mean, all automotive genres have gone through it, but I mm -hmm. think the the mini truck thing it was so weird because mini trucking was such a fun weekend river party, you know, low budget get things done for fun type sport. Right. And it slowly you know snowballed into the full crazy the madness well and what i used to you know what i used to always say is that, you know my dad was always into hot rods and stuff and 
I mean, I was 17, 18 years old, you know, and I couldn't afford to have a second car. So if I tore my truck apart on Friday and Saturday, it had to be back together Monday morning to go to school. Yep. I didn't have another, I didn't have any other wheels. And I mean, that's kind of the whole mini truck through the eighties and probably through the mid nineties kind of defined that it was, you know, we made them as outrageous as we could and still drive them every day. Exactly. You had the daily driver. And then we said the same thing. We called it second car poor. Like you, you had to sell it to get the next, you know, that's all there was. That's that's like mini trucks. Like you can tell anybody who gets into it, you start off with like, it's either skateboards or BMX bikes. Yep. Totally. Yep. Yep. You make the jump to a mini truck or a VW. Yeah, the VWs for and sure, especially there, SoCal. Everybody branches off, and you get the you get the one guy who starts off. It's like the guy who usually put the V8 swap into his S10. He becomes a street machine guy. Right. <laughs> yep. Or drag. Yeah, a lot of those dudes. It's crazy. Like, I, I can't imagine if it was going to the really high end hot rods. Like, if I'm going to put money into something, it's going to be worth money when I'm done. Exactly. Right. Exactly, because yeah, there's nothing worse than like piling your your bucks and all your hard time into something just to go. Well, I'm going to scrap it. Yeah, totally. So many. many and that's the difference between the genres as an investment and you know, like future. Like, hey, I have kids. I'm thinking about more than just my weekend fun and weekend fun. <laughs> yeah. Mini trucking has its own like really fascinating history, you know, and like with all of the hot rod documentaries and custom car documentaries out there. It's really deserving of one of its own done on a grand scale. Yeah, mini trucking history film. Um, and they interviewed, I mean, I don't know if Courtney was still around. I think it was after Courtney. Yeah. Mini I'm sure everybody knows Courtney Hollowell, Tito. He's the one that actually got my start. Like, I interviewed with him. Yeah, it's called minitruckfilm.com. History yeah. of mini trucking. It's a mini trucker documentary going through... Nearly 40 years, it spans, you know, all the way back. Yeah, minitruckfilm.com, that's it. Cool. Shameless plug for those guys. <laughs> but it really is cool. I think they interviewed, you know, let's see, all the way back to 70s. And, yeah, in into uh, one of the original Negative Camber guys is one of the guys who helped do it. And then it went all the way through – Ground Zero, um, all the West Coast guys, big in the West Coast guys. Nearly 40 years of history. Man. Too cool. I really need to watch Cal Concepts that. is one of them, <laughs> that, since you mentioned that. Really? Yeah. Well, they were a really instrumental part through, well, starting probably around 89, 90. Yeah. They got really cool. big by 92, 93, so... Yeah, so yep. you get into the early '90s. They were all over all the magazines. Hell, you could you couldn't pick up anything. I mean, you could pick up like Airbrush Action, stuff mm-hmm. like that, and their stuff. And that was man. Yeah, it was Craig, who was Craig Dion, um, K Daddy. A lot of those dudes um, were in all that. I mean, the Cal Concepts guys they defined West Coast airbrush graphic, you know, paint jobs across right. genres. Like you said, even the boat scene. Remember the boats got? Oh great? yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, we and we uh well Brad's got a big connection with boats. Yeah, he does. Is that Brad's what you paint currently still? Uh, yeah, I, I've done custom paint and striping and lettering stuff forever, so yeah. Okay. Lots and lots of that garbage. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Car 
garbage. Come on, man. It's it's uh, more than a hamburger in your belly. That's that's true. Steak every now and then. So let me that's let me ask you. Speaking of steak and you know putting food in your belly, how do you go from uh, being this uh, this bright eyed kid who writes a letter to an editor to landing your dream job? Yeah, what that looked like. So there, it was like you mentioned, Courtney, I actually, it was perfect storm of timing. Um, Persistence with luck paid off. So basically, I used to follow around all the editors like a bright eyed kid and hey, man, hey, man, hey, look at my stuff. Hey, look at these photos. Hey, what do you think? Can you guys give me some input or tweaks or whatever? You know, the nerdy little kid that wants to write for the magazines. So I followed around all the editors and I actually met Mike Finnegan and Courtney well, Mike Finnegan was in his process of transitioning out of Mini Truck and Magazine right at the time when I'm like kind of hireable. I can't even run a car yet, still young. <laughs> One of the things that they asked for on the application is like you have to be able to rent a car. Um, so I weaseled my way into the ability to rent a car at 21, and I got the job at 21 years old. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was a lot of just, you know, showing up at the shows, bugging the editors. And I was that annoying kid, you know, like, Hey, go away. Well, Hey, since you're here, you can hold the tripod, you know, or Hey, grab that. Uh, it was just 98 persistence and 2% luck of timing. <laughs> That's awesome. I think we interviewed, it was back in, um, McMullen Argus. Oh, geez. You know, the magazines went through buyouts like nobody else, you know, every, oh, yeah. every other business is a 10 to 20 year life cycle. I think we were like every three years we got bought. <laughs> you know, what was amazing is the format changed enough that you could actually, you know, as a reader, you could see the difference. Yeah, you could. Totally. And, and, I, and that wasn't always good. Like an editor, a lot of the editors would come and go because, I mean, it doesn't pay, you know, it's a dream job per se, but it, you can't raise a family on a, a $30,000 a year salary in California, you know? No, I <laughs> That's that's we, what the that's what the editor gig paid. Well, when you get editor in chief and take over, you know, there's some bumps. But we always called it. I mean, no joke. I don't know what you guys call it in the art field. We called it the perfect 24 because it's the 24 year old who worked 24 hours a day for 24 grand a year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was an editor. <laughs> I need to find a few of those for my business. <laughs> right. And that's. I mean, that's just what the gig was. Um, it never was was a financially great move. It was pursuing a passion and and building a skill set and building a brand um, to take you know to get to where we're at today. Crazy, yeah. And and going from that, I mean, so you you obviously you did your time in the trenches with <laughs> like the the major magazines and things like that. And then, man, how do you? And, and, I mean, I get it because I mean, I went on my own. We've all kind of made that jump. I think hell everybody talking here tonight we've all done the whole self-employment thing but yeah. so we you... can all laugh about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's, there's good and there's bad i mean and i Absolutely. would never go back i mean it was great um, you can't you're unemployable that's <laughs> <laughs> the worst yeah when you're filling out your resume one day you're like i'm gonna freshen up my resume you're like how do i fill this gap between here <laughs> and here with a company none of these people have ever heard of what did you do for the last 10 years? <laughs> Start having that regret that was like, it was such a great idea when I was filling out like, you know, 
all the uh, all the paperwork to start my business, all the registration paperwork. I'm like, yeah, Problem Child Customs. That's going to be the baddest name ever. And here I am as an old man gone. That was the stupidest name of all time. <laughs> well, it's perfect. I mean, a lot of the that you go back and look at even mini truck and shop names and stuff and all the, you know, sadistic customs and all those guys, like the naming convention was not something we had projected to our future self. No. <laughs> <laughs> I keep like mini about... trucks with four Z's on the end. Yeah. Z K custom with a K. Yep. Everything had an umlaut over it. Didn't matter what it was. <laughs> T with an umlaut. How do you pronounce that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Put the <laughs> it sounds like pause. a loogie. That's what it sounds like. It's just go from there. <laughs> That'd be great, though. What is this? Oh, the forums are silent. What? <laughs> I could see you doing that too, Brian. I'll see. <laughs> and he, he could make it work. Sadly, it's you know, all my favorite part about it, being self-employed, though. My favorite part about being self-employed is when people say, "Oh, you own the company." That must be nice. You don't have anybody to answer to. <laughs> Bullshit. I've got yeah. 3,500 customers I answer to. What everybody to answer to. <laughs> right? I'm just like, oh, I'm, they know where I live. They've got my cell number. They've got you know every email address. I don't get away. Yeah, the boss is the customer. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, man, so you, God, though, but you really, you've kind of played it up. You've done kind of like the smartest career path ever. You, you really you did feel that way. <laughs> okay, well, looking looking at it from the outside, man. <laughs> I just started early, <laughs> which again, smartest idea ever. Cool, just... Or follow around these idiots and then bug them. <laughs> <laughs> that was my whole sales approach. It was like just follow people out and bug the hell out of them until finally, like, just yeah, draw something, dude. Whatever. Right. <laughs> That's how you shut them up. Yeah, see, I, so, okay, so you, you go from the magazine side, you're editing, you're doing this stuff. Where, where do you go once you're at the top of that point? I mean, and, you know, I understand being the editor is not really the top when you're in that trench because you're just, you know, you, you feel like you're at the bottom of the hill because everything comes down to you and has to go back out. But man, so like, where, where's your head at, at that point when you're going, okay, here I am, I'm in this. And it, it's a time of turmoil because like you said, the magazines, they were getting sold, and it seemed like every few yeah. months there was something new going on. We are like, well, what's this byline? Why does this magazine have a new logo? <laughs> totally. They redesigned. No, they sold. Showcasing women's shoes again. <laughs> right. It used to be boats. What the heck? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, the timing. It's always timing, and the timing is the one thing you can't control. Um I felt like, I mean, editor-in-chief, it's awesome. Everything's great. Page count's good. Ad sales are good. Everything's going great. Economy starts to tank. You know, we all went through that. Um, but right about the same time, the, the the bean counters, per se, they weren't listening to the editors. They weren't listening to the enthusiasts that put out the magazines, um, which is, you know, that's corporate. That's how it always goes. But the internet had become this thing, the sensation. And so all of us writers, editors, photojournalists, all of that, you know, lumped into this um, where the digital connection was our competition. Right. And it shouldn't have been that way. The editors did not want it that way. We were pursu pursuing forums, starting our own MySpace pages, 
um, trying to build this brand and keep the brand alive through the digital revolution, the unfortunately, the ad sales and the bean counters and middle management, whatever else politics gets into any kind of corporation, um, they didn't allow that growth to happen properly, organically, naturally. So we missed it. We missed the digital revolution. We weren't able to create social media and videos and brands and all the things they're doing now, you know, 20 years after it had already kind of come to fruition. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, whenever you look ahead at things, you know, everyone always says, yeah, whatever, you're crazy. You guys are creative, so you get it. Us editors were going to the big guy saying, hey, we need to make video, you know, our tech articles need to have a video link or QR codes or whatever the technology was coming through. We wanted to stay on top of that, but they always saw it as competition. And I mean, at right about that time in age and life, it was, hey, I do need to make more money. Hey, I do need to buy a house. Hey, I do want to get a wife who will actually look at me and not laugh um, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe have kids with me someday. <laughs> so Let's how did that work for you? Did you still get laughed yet? <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, it all, it's, it's life, the, the balance of life, but I did want to create, um, something that I could be proud of and enjoy. And even though an editor is a real job and editor in chief is this big title, it was still just doing what I loved. So to go to a real job would still feel like soul crushing, like giving up. Like I can go make money doing marketing or branding or any whatever, but it's, it's giving up. I guess. Um, so that, that was kind of a transitional, like, I don't want to give up. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and that's when I kind of said, all right, you know, time to figure this out. I'm going to do something for, um, you know, out of my own head and kind of create something. I did a little bit of branding and marketing, um, to, to build just an understanding of the marketplace and like what that product looks like and how to offer it, how to monetize it. Um, cause whenever you do something you love, which you guys all know very well, it's hard to put a price tag on that. How do you, you know, all your buddies want it for free and you know, how do you pay your mortgage and get the wife to stop laughing at you again? <laughs> <laughs> or yelling. Or yelling. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yelling. Yelling comes after it doesn't get paid. So yeah, I mean that was, it's, it's transitional and phases just like we all go through. Uh, but I wanted to create a product that I was proud of and that could pay the bills at the same time. And that was the the perfect storm of, hey, you're going to have a kid. Hey, you're going to be this responsible guy. Hey, you want to own a business. And hey, you want to do all this at the exact same time. Yeah, you're crazy. Uh, but <laughs> it's totally doable. <laughs> and that's when we made the transition into, um, you know, doing Slammed Magazine and uh, Red Media Group as kind of the umbrella for um, digital publishing in a cool, fun, creative way, using you know all the all the network and the the rad friends and photographers and videographers and all the people around us that we've already been working with for you know almost two decades at this point. <laughs> and I was going to say that whole that project really that became kind of an A list kind of gathering of I mean, man, you had every big name, every person that had tons of talent. I mean, that that whole project oozed talent. Yeah, even you got involved. I don't know how that happened. I don't know. You see, yeah, that's that's kind of the way it works, too. It's like we had all this stuff. Brian and was building you, that. Good job. You slipped in, and that was the end of that. All the most badass people ever and me. And Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I mean, really, that's what I, so our whole tagline, that's what I wanted to show the stupid print magazine guys that you can do badass digital quality high. It, it means something like it's not just everyone and their mom can be online, you know, like um, there was that whole the transition where the, the print guys were so anti-digital and the digital guys were so you're so slow and old and you're so new and don't know anything. And we wanted to show that that gap could be bridged. So, you know, Johnny, well, you did it me, really well. thank you. Thank you. That, that was the goal to show that it's possible. Like, yeah, we lacked funding. Yeah. We were doing it out of our garage, calling each other on Skype, just like this, you know, doing whatever it took. Um, you know, to ch- just try to get a few bucks here and there. Um, but it was very, 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 very deliberate in the quality standard. We had to have high quality. It's not just cell phone photos and quick, you know, no offense, Jalopnik, but just quick links or, quick, you know, like we, that was the complete opposite of what we wanted to do. Um, right. And so that's what we came. We came out swinging with a high quality digital publishing, um, the style, the way we, we would want to present it. Oh, definitely, and it, it it more than holds up today. I mean, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, it's funny to say it holds up today. It's been just a couple of years, basically. Yeah, but, four four years. Yeah, but in like, but in digital, I mean, hell, that that's a lifetime. <laughs> exactly, dude. And, like, and for to real, go back years though, of time online, <laughs> and that is, it's a lifetime, and it's still there. It looks great, and the funny part is, you go back and you look at that, and you can compare that to any like those kind of like the boutique publications that come out now. You know, like, right. they're they're not even like a magazine. Your your stuff, if it was in print, it would be like the coffee table book. It, it's, oh, honestly, it's just that was the exact word we used, Brian. Like we said, we want to be a coffee table magazine. If we ever print and go back and do like a pictorial or. We wanted that like Rotter's Journal feel, like something that you can collect and it's it means something, you know. Exactly, I man, and you guys nailed it, and it, it was yeah. so great because that hit at a time where you think, Dan, I'm going to sound preachy, but really, for a lot of the stuff that's out there now, go back and look at this, get your shit together, <laughs> come back <laughs> and redo it. <laughs> Because that's the thing. If you do anything, just like you, if you paint something that's classic, it's it's timeless. You should be able to look at that ten years from now, and it should still look amazing. You know, yeah, like maybe it's missing the VR where it lands in your lap, whatever tech is out, but it should be timeless and classic for sure. That's what automobiles are. No matter the genre, it's it's this thing that's art that that we've put our passion into that should be timeless. Right. Exactly. And you, you did it again really well. I mean, it wasn't just presentation. It was selection of the subject matter. Everything was just done so well. And man, if including the writing. Oh yeah. yeah. And we focus on stories too, because a lot of people would not, it was a picture age, right? Like the Amazon age. Let's just look at the pretty pictures. (laughs) And it's tough to get people to read. I mean, we, we go through that. Well, in so many magazines, it's just like, oh, they used PPG paint and the wheels are 18 on front and 20 on back. It's just, you know, and and that was that never existed, you know, in that boring form with your publications. So, I mean, it was well written. It was, you know, it was intellectually presented. Yeah, thank you. That was definitely I mean, all those things were purpose built. And, you know, guys like you can appreciate that. Um, not everyone gets all that all the way through, you know, it's not, it's something different for everyone else. Um, and that also led 
I mean, again, it's everything's a learning experience. And one thing I did learn fairly quickly is you're not going to make a living creating your own online magazine either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So yeah. Because everybody wants it for free. Yeah, and It's I online, mean, so it's supposed to be free, right? Exactly. Online is free. The support is the advertising. And we didn't want to make it ad- advertising heavy or any kind of PPC, um, you know, paid per click nightmare with, um, you know, bait click ad seven page stories where you just click each thing to get the numbers up. We didn't want to play that game. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it shows. And I I mean, I think it'll still continue. Like hopefully the goal is timeless content and we'll continue to use it. And we have two guys on it right now that still pump content out. Uh, We keep everything going, but it definitely isn't um, the end all be all for, my goal for my family and for the things that I wanted to create and put forth. Getting to that point, man, you've got a, you've got a great background, obviously in not only the the whole aesthetic thing. And I kind of hate that word, but it just makes sense for this. I mean, you've got design down, you've got all, you've got the publication background, you got these things, but let's step back from that just a little bit further and say, okay, as far as formal education in this goes, Mm -hmm. What, yeah, what so, were your steps on that? What did, what did you do? <laughs> it, it's really funny to be brought up in just that kind of um, transition because the whole design thing, the whole aesthetics thing, the whole looks thing, it is purely, purely just what I see. Zero training, zero any kind of education, um, a Google search here and there to go, oh, hey, that makes sense. That rule of third, this golden rule, whatever. Oh, all right, cool, great. All right, yeah. Purely instinct. Purely instinct. Um, That's amazing. Zero, zero, zero design or aesthetic. But I've done business management courses, some things to help me through the transition of self-employment, stuff like that. But it was hit the ground running, uh, start young, and work, work, work. (laughs) Wow. And my wife is the complete opposite. You know, the degreed, get your shit together. Uh, Let me help you get your shit together. And she's been (laughs) a great balance. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great balance to have. And well, I mean, I, I went through it. I went through school. I, I had formal fine art training and everything like that. And what I use out of that is, I hate to say it, very little. You know what rules to break. And that that's exactly what it became. <laughs> that thing know. where, like, being a car guy, I think you go into it, you got a little bit of a sense of rebellion to begin with. So for me, it was like, well, okay, teach me all the stuff and and why I should be doing it. And then I'm going to go through and start bending stuff here and there. And okay, well, I'm going to bend this because you make it your own. And right. I think that's where yeah. art lives. And Absolutely. If everybody just followed the rules, you'd have the same crap over and over again. We could just sit there with tracing paper and call it a day. Right. Yep. So that's the yeah, fun And I know part. you went through, I mean, like, God, I can't even imagine from an artist's perspective what digital, like, illustration and digital revolution has done to you guys, like, for for what you do. Oh. And you capture it and be able to use it and learn it. I went I went into that. This ain't my episode, so I'm going to make this as quick as possible. I, <laughs> Sorry. I just, I'm just curious. I like to know things. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I went from, like, fine art painting, like, and a lot of heavy oil painting and things like that. I did a lot of life drawing classes. And this is all prepped to get into animation. Okay. And the minute that I discovered there was digital stuff out there, and it, it really became kind of twofold for me. It was like, one... It was another way to go someplace new with the art. And two, it was kind of a necessary thing because my hands were starting to go bad. 
And uh-huh. I was like, I had no other options. Like, how can I make this keep going? And I was like, ooh, digital. And I remember getting yelled at because I went back to school for a semester and I was like, well, I'm just going to learn the basics. I'm going to pay somebody. And looking back now, if I could have done that today, I'd just gone online, you know, <laughs> totally. <laughs> drawn the turtle. or YouTube or something like that. And for, you know, 12 bucks been done. But I went back and I remember <laughs> these people were like, what are you doing with tools? You're, you're treating digital tools like they're oil paint. And I was like, yeah, this is bitching, man. That's <laughs> like, the greatest thing ever. And, and I can save this and retweak it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you can go back and you're like, oh, I screwed that up. Well, you know, Command Z, done. Right. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah. I mean, like, I admire um, technology. I admire school. I admire training. I admire, uh, you know, retaining knowledge and, and learning new things. But I, it's not a disdain for self or for formal education more so than I, I think the individual should be responsible for learning what they want to know. Not everybody needs to know U.S. history or, you know, whatever it is. Some people like math, reading, whatever. But, you know, if you truly, truly pursue whatever your heart calls, like school isn't a necessity per se. No, totally. education is a necessity. School's not. And there you go. Amen. Exactly. That, that's, you know, it's probably canned at this point. Probably 90 other people have it quoted. <laughs> Maybe I'll see a meme this coming week. Or shirts. Or some posters <laughs> on people's wall. <laughs> It'll be a meme. It'll be school folks. isn't important. Education is the big nosed <laughs> guy from that podcast. Yeah, awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> great. <laughs> oh yeah, self self education. I mean, just pursuing what it is you truly love will spark something in you to go do more and 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 more. Right. And then oh. some more. Yeah, and more. It, it never does stop. And I mean, how I went to school and I got to say school wasn't for me. It just, it, it's not where I belonged. And I understand that. And, you know, having kids, if they come to me and they go, Hey, um, dude, school's not working out. I mean, I've got one who's in nursing school. He comes to me and goes, I still want to be a nurse, but, uh, dude, I, I don't want to go to school for it. I mean, well, yeah, there's a, there's a place for that. And you're going to have to get right. involved with organized crime and work out of the back of a car somewhere in an alley. <laughs> can stitch up old pops when I start running. <laughs> veterinary school might be your thing. But, you know, um, you know, but when I did go, like when I was in high school, the whole point of that was they wanted to turn us into like these Renaissance people. So it was like, learn everything you can. If it right. interests you, you kind of followed it. So they were really progressive. That's so good. what's weird is like my passion in life. Yeah. I love my art, but man, like particle physics and stuff like that is where my head's at. I love that <laughs> are, stuff. Are you kidding or being serious? <laughs> no, that that's, I live for this stuff, man. Okay. Cause he's I know totally, like, he's totally uh, serious, dude. Right? He really is. <laughs> Because you and Max do like some pretty deep discussion, right? I've seen, oh. I've seen funny, you know, rants, but I know that it's gotten technical and it's gotten serious. Oh, That's dude, Max and I, I'm we we finally started connecting again. It, it there was like a point when it was like this weekly thing where I, I could expect it was like a Tuesday or Thursday morning. The phone would ring, and I was like, "It's on." That's it, off and running. <laughs> and we get metaphysical. It was like the best thing, and. By far, dude, one of the smartest freaking people I know. Yeah. Like the guy, the guy's got a just. I'd love to see a picture of his brain. You know, <laughs> he is like the way I describe it. Love him to death. It's it's a creative, 
Einstein Tesla, like to where it's, I don't know, super logical, mathematical engineer brain. He's got both the left and the right, and they actually talk to each other. It, it blows me away. <laughs> it's funny because we, we, we're trying to figure that out, and it's like he and I'll talk about that, and he's like, we got that in common. And I'm like, yeah, and the left side will be going on math and science, and the right side's like, well, what if Ziggy had a slightly smaller nose and was taller? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Ziggy. Yeah, I just, I, I've caught bits and pieces because same thing you guys have your conversations and i'm like all right what's the cliff notes i got shit to do <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start publishing those but <laughs> so, so like you you primed yourself you had you had some you know you had the formal training doesn't they, as far as like the stuff you needed to know i mean business law yeah you've got to have somebody teach you that you can't just go on well, i mean you could i guess you could head down to barnes and noble and pick up you know business law for dummies no i mean there's so many good resources nowadays online and that's, it's really scary how easy that is. And, but <laughs> you, you obviously, you had kind of a, like, um, I want to say a natural kind of inclination toward that because man, nobody, unless you're that lucky, uh, <laughs> and you make it look really easy, <laughs> but you're, you're a testament to really just getting out there and, and putting your nose to the grindstone. You, you had a vision, you made the thing happen, but you did the one thing I think if somebody out there is listening to this and you're, you're a young kid, learn this from an old fart like me. I look at a guy like Mike and I go, okay, you were smart enough to know what you wanted. You laid out a plan and you, you made sure you had the tools in your box to make that happen. And you never gave up. That's a big part of it. Definitely. Uh, still not giving up. There's a long ways to go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Brian, like I think, it really is hard to tell anybody because if I were to tell my young young self what you just said, it does sound so basic and so easy, but it's so fucking true. Right. <laughs> Sorry about the cussing. It just it it's 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 true. Like point by point, you have to know what you want before you can go get it. Period. You have to have that. Something has to ignite you. If you're not if you're not passionate about it and you're not getting mad about it. Um, then you can't get happy about it. You can't do what it is that you love or what it is that you want to go do. You need to find out what that is first before you'll ever, ever, ever fill that little, that hole, whatever it is you're looking for. That's really well said. Yeah, Eric's like, that's nicely said. I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, and it, that, that's brilliant. You, you go out, you find that hole, and it's got to be the right hole to fill. That's, that's the yeah, other part of me because you're young. You're going to change. You're going to change no matter what. Oh, big time. Even you as a person, you want to change. You want to grow. You want to do better. You want to try new things. <laughs> You'd hope. I, I was having this talk with my kid. Like I said, at 14, that it, it's a rough age because, you know, they're really oh, cool yeah. for 10 minutes and then, you know, you're a douchebag the next minute. And this kid, I, I'm, I'm trying to tell him, I said, you got to look at your life like, like some kind of weird character arc. You know, if, if you're not becoming something better or going through some struggle at some point, you're just a flat line. Right. And it's boring. I mean, I said, you know, don't, don't leave somebody a boring life to watch. I mean, don't be too overly exciting though. <laughs> right. Nervous energy. It, it gets to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But for sure, I mean, even the hardships, that's, uh, it's kind of weird because even like the, those closest to me or those that work directly with me um, here, they see it all the time where 
it's um, like I smile at hardship. It's a really weird thing because I've been through a lot of dark times and a lot of hardship that, you know, I'm thankful for. I'm really, really thankful for the integrity and character of getting through the struggle. It gives you something to, to keep fighting for. Um, and, it, you know, like you said earlier, Eric said earlier, giving up is the, the tendency, the fight or flight. I'm always fighting. I'm in the ring day in, day out. There's zero flight here. <laughs> well, and, you know, I mean, being business owners, it's, I mean, we're firefighters. We're always putting out fires. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's how we address it and what we, what you make of every situation. And, you know, you can't always make a positive out of a negative situation, but you can definitely you can minimize learn. the damage. There yeah, and learn. So, yeah, you can't make everything pretty rainbows and unicorns, but you can learn not to do that shit again. <laughs> oh yeah, and help others understand. Right. That's I think as a as a parent, that's the one lesson. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a relatively new parent. Three and eight months are the two ages. <laughs> and the one thing you see, you want to teach these lessons. Don't touch that. It's hot. They have to touch it to know that it's hot. They don't care that you just told them it's hot. Right. You don't realize that you're growing up until you see it through your kid's eyes and you go, crap, he's going to do the same dumb shit I did because he yeah. has to. He has to. Well, <laughs> if we he all did. Listens, then he's not going to build that. He's not going to scar the brain. He's just going to have some sort of memory saying, don't do that. You have to go through the, the negatives and learn for yourself. Right. Oh, yeah. And they, they're never going to look back at you and say, why did you let me touch that? Uh, you know, <laughs> right. it, I'll tell you though, it does get easier. Like the first one, you're really, it's really hard to go, like, oh, no, 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 because you don't want anything to happen with the first one. Yeah, hey, falling them around, helicopter everywhere. Don't yeah. fall, don't touch, don't do the, don't, ah, ah, ah. Right. And you're like, all right, good luck. Call me when you're done. Dad, I don't have a phone. I'm three. <laughs> <laughs> Here, have a phone. Done. And it's, I mean, but, and you don't love the next one less, uh, you know, and further down the line. But, you know, you get to the second one, you're kind of like, yeah, he's going he's gonna to touch that and he's going to get burnt. And by like the third one, you you just have a bucket of sand laying there. You're like, dude, he's on fire. You had to throw the sand on him. <laughs> Do you have three, Brian? I have three boys I raised. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, yeah. Lived. Yeah, you don't want to talk to Eric. Eric's the king. Do <laughs> you have five, four? I have a, I have eleven. Eleven kids, dear God. TV, <laughs> dude. I never had TV. There's no TV in his house. Our, our podcast is not sponsored by a contraceptive company. So. <laughs> Round 11. But it, but it should be. <laughs> 11 kids, man. How are you going to pay for all those colleges? <laughs> what the hell? He's got a you plan. already he started it. a multi-level marketing thing. Oh, they they are their own MLM. It's genius. <laughs> right. The last kid's going to be shafted. He's, he's going to some, like, he's going to have to draw the, like, the turtle. Phoenix, he's Pirate. definitely going to Phoenix. <laughs> oh man! No, there's nice definitely pyramid scheme at his house. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, I think of all lessons learned, I, being a parent, if you can translate that through your business or through your passion in any way, you just become a little more aware of things. You just see things a little differently, and I think that's really helped. <laughs> yeah i agree and it's it, i tell you they're a great meta yeah i'm gonna use kids as a metaphor yeah <laughs> great no, idea do it, brian. brian do it 
That's what do you it, get when it. you go to now, school. Now you have to do it. We're all waiting. <laughs> but I mean, they're 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 the perfect metaphor for running your own business. And if you look at that business like a kid, okay, you don't want to take unnecessary risk. I mean, you're not going to, you know, Michael Jackson the kid and hang it off of a ledge. <laughs> but well, maybe. Well, I'm not going to Michael Jackson any child. <laughs> I'll do it. Think about that. Oh, that's kind of gross. Oh, dude, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Oh, well, he named his kid Blanket. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I've got a joke about that. I'm not going there today. Don't, because this is a family show. We don't have somebody come in. Did you hear the joke they made where they came up with Michael Jackson's other kid, Love Sock? No. Um, <laughs> oh, sh- dude. Oh, I just made myself sick. Um, <laughs> so, wow. Uh, Okay, that's going to get edited. Um, <laughs> don't you dare. That's a... <laughs> anyway, what was, oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah, kids, like like a business, uh, Yeah, you insure them and then something happens. No. Um, <laughs> wow. You, you don't want to take, take an unnecessary risk or put it in danger. But you've got to be willing to, put, to go out there and say, okay, hey, you know, let go of the seat on the bike. You know, and let it kind of pedal itself and see what happens. And I mean, there's times when, dude, you know what it's like. You've got to put on your face where you're like, things are great here at, at my business and it's wonderful and hooray me, hashtag life is great. And <laughs> as soon as you hit send, the, you know, somebody walks in and looks at you and you look like you're a dude who's strapped into the front car of the, uh, you know, the roller coaster. Oh yeah, wild ride, <laughs> hair up if you had it. <laughs> exactly, and that's that's like eighty five percent of the time, and it's the same way with kids. And eventually, though, you get to a point where okay, yeah, maybe there's a comfort zone, and you know they're kind of doing their own thing, and stuff is running itself. And I think every business goes through this. You, you go through that lull where it's like things are good, it's safe, it, it's got a steady progression, and then one day, man, that sucker comes home with a black eye. You know, <laughs> you know, really, and and like in, in the business world, that's somebody out there now today who maybe posts something like "those guys suck," right? And you're like, "oh crap!" So you got to deal with that, and then you're trying. You don't want to coddle it too much and be like, "come here, little business, it's gonna be okay. We'll just go hide." <laughs> you can't. I mean, you got to push it back out there and go, "hey, dude, he punched you in the eye. Go kick him in the nuts." <laughs> <laughs> First thing, right to the nuts. You know, always <laughs> go go for the soft tissue. You know, no, That's, you're you're 100 percent right, man. And no yeah. matter what, you're it's every day can be any one of those days. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah, and you know, in hell, dude, in real life, man, that's Tuesday. So. You, you it know, is Tuesday, actually. That's kind of weird to think about. I oh. only know what today is because of this date. Oh, see, that's that's and it had nothing to do with my seventy-two thousand messages. Are you good for Tuesday? <laughs> no, literally, like you lose track so quick. You guys have all been through it. Oh, oh what's geez. today? Oh, crap! All right, that's why I was like, "Hey, stay on me." <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse when you lose track, and it's like, it, well, it's it's tough out here. Like I'm in the valley, so the sun goes down kind of early. So there's nights when I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's got to be like 8, 9 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, it's 4 in the morning. <laughs> you're a night owl anyways, though, right? Because I've seen you when you're working and stuff. Oh, yeah, dude. I, it's rare that I'd sleep. And, yeah. you know, I it's just the way my brain works, you know. And 
uber creative. You're on that. If it's not two o'clock, I'm not having a good idea schedule. Exactly. And you kind of, you got to, you got to train that too, where if you wake up at, you know, two in the morning, if you just got to bed at one 30 and your brain suddenly goes, I know what to do with that. (laughs) You don't fall back asleep. You go, yeah, let's go do this. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, by one in the afternoon, you're laying on the couch, but just, just tapping out. That was the hardest thing. Like Brian, for me going from the Uber creative media, let's make everything look pretty and it'll ship whenever the hell I'm ready to a nine to five product business, answering phone calls, making customer happy is night and day. It's one kid versus the other. It's everything opposite. Um, it, it is a totally different world and it took me the first year was really, really rough to like, not just not answer the phone and tell people to screw off. I, you know, <laughs> it'll chip and it's shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a, Oh man, that was, that was my not proudest moments, um, of, of, the self journey of learning back to discipline. Like, Hey, you know, I got to be here at 7 AM. I don't care if I went to bed at 3 AM or the new kid is up and getting teeth or, you know, whatever. Like I have other people relying on me now. I have employees and I have a shop and I have a business. That was a transition. That was a really, really, really weird, hard, fun, happy, all into one transition. And there's a weird compartmentalization that you, I think, I think that comes with age too you start to figure out like, I mean, yeah, kind of we're dudes. We're not overly emotional, but you get to a point where you're kind of emotionally driven when you're, you know, a younger kid, you know, everything's just like, Oh, you ticked me off. So, okay. And that's where you're back to that punch in the eye, kicking the balls thing. Right. And you get over and you're like, there's a lot more on stake and you gotta go, okay, I need to compartmentalize. It's like, yeah. Okay. This guy's ticked off because this isn't happening, but this has to get done. So I'll deal with this problem over here and I'm going to walk over here and put this fire out and I'll put this one out and I'll put that one out and then I'll go back to my office and I'm going to take one sip of coffee and two people are going to walk in and have another problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think, um, I get frustrated pretty easily and I'm trying to work on not doing it to other people. Like I get frustrated with interruptions because you guys know how that is with your brain. Like someone will stand here for a little bit just so I can finish whatever that email is or whatever that phone call or text or whatever is because I don't want to not give them my best or my best effort, um, whatever was interrupted as well. So that's tough. That's a hard balance to learn, um, especially with guys like all of us where you're go, go, go or oh this idea or ooh, shiny. We're the ones always doing the interrupting, but we don't want to be interrupted. So it's a very <laughs> critical thing. <laughs> well, well, Brad, how many times do you call me? Like, you'll go, well, first, how do I answer the phone? What? <laughs> that's our standard. That's, that's the standard deal. But like, and I feel bad sometimes because you'll call me up. I'm like, what? And I'm like, hang on two seconds. I cannot shut my brain off. And I really work hard at it now. Right. Because, I mean, that's I see it can be destructive. Funny. Yep. But man, That's, you, and I don't know if it's a men, man, woman thing like to be that way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, that takes training. You have to work and learn to n- turn it off. And it's a, it's a skill. That's a, a really hard skill, especially for this circle to, uh, actually, I, I don't have that skill yet. So I'll shut up. <laughs> Me neither. I, I lack it. I, and I've tried 
you know, I've been out, we've been out for, you know, you'll be driving somewhere, going out to dinner or whatever. And my brain is constantly churning. I'll be looking at something and I'm making notes. I'm like, you know, if I take that marker light off of that car, I could totally use this shape off of that dump truck. And then I could make the coolest bezel. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's, it's nonstop. It is nonstop. You, you just have to funnel. You just have to funnel and put it where it needs to go. But focus is, I, I don't know, like it's, it's so important, but it's, you don't want to be sharp, laser sharp focus all the time because you'll miss those things. What if you really wanted to do that taillight from that dumpster and you just told yourself to leave it alone? That could have been the, the Riddler that year, Brian. Like, you never know. Exactly. <laughs> See, you I know what that's like to never things. get the Riddler. I, I know what that's like. <laughs> but there is that um, that level of throwing the darts at the board um, balanced with focus. I don't know. Like so many people preach the focus side and the sleep side and this side and all you grind hard guys and, you know, you'll never whatever. I don't care. Different people with different things work for different people. And I pursue a lot of things just out of pure fun and learning and, Hey, I gave it a shot. Cool. What's next? And I think that's, that's what experience falls down to though. It's, it's trying different stuff, but at least remembering, you know, what was a time suck and what led to something good. Right. And and being able to look at that eventually when somebody else puts it on your table and just being able to say, and it's hard to crush somebody's dream like that when they come in like, dude, we're totally good. Like, no, (laughs) no, we're not. I have this great podcast. No, get, get the <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be number six. And people are like, where'd you get that? There's like four. And then tonight three showed up. It's Every divisible. Time I have but... to it. <laughs> no, I, I've had that just this week, um, you know, with, with my younger guy who's super, super enthusiastic and, and does some really awesome work for us. Um, we're trying to figure out we're so behind in this video age. We don't do a YouTube channel well. We don't do any vlogging or live video. Or it, the, the brands are rad and we do some cool stuff, but we are behind in video. Um, and it, it, I was that douchebag boss on like, hey, how are we going to monetize this and why are we wasting time? And I heard myself and I'm like, what the fuck? Wait, what? Oh, why are you saying this? <laughs> Like, I have to pay you and buy these cameras and this and that. No, we don't have time for that. Go back. And I just realized, like, you can't do that because that was me and that was all of us. And, like, you have to nurture, foster, and do these things to grow. And I realize we are heavily lacking in certain areas. But there's four guys here and we're doing the best we can with what we got. And that really is hard to figure out, okay, the the fine line between having fun, being creative, building the brand, building the business, paying the bills – and, you know, being effective throughout the entire day, it's always a juggle. There's always a million balls in there and you're going to drop a few every now and then. <laughs> right. So speaking of having a million balls in the air, and no, we're not talking about you and your 15 kids, Eric. Um, <laughs> hey, Boom. that made the Michael Jackson joke look like nothing. Don't do callbacks for the bad jokes. <laughs> I figured that's that's how we made a name for ourselves. Oh, right. like, well, if it's terrible, you know, we we take the shovel down with us. We're whatever archaeologists. <laughs> just bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody ever puts these together and puts them in like you know 
Um, that'd be great. A whole collection of these in a museum sometimes. Scrapbook. A round six mashup. The Museum <laughs> of Absolute Joke Horrors. But, um, so, like, keeping, like, a million things going at once, we're in that most wonderful time of the year when the hashtag SEMA crunch starts coming out. No! Yeah. Because <laughs> we got, what, about three months? So, oh. yeah, I figure about probably... You just put a date to it. 45 to 60 days from here, it's going to start. That means it's time to start shopping for a car, putting together a plan, talking to your illustrator, and then begging everybody for free parts. And then you build it in the last two weeks. Yeah, that's that's the most important part, the last two weeks part. (laughs) Without without a reservation, you know, of SEMA saying, we know you're coming. Well, no, yeah, those guys, (laughs) SEMA's gone through a lot of transition in the last three years, and they're working hard on that. And I would say... Being a booth vendor company versus being the guy building the cars, there's pros and cons to both for sure. <laughs> but yeah, we're in full swing. It's um, it's beginning. <laughs> That's what I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit on. Okay, you you've seen it from almost every possible angle. I mean, hell, you you've seen SEMA from like you said. Okay, the booth vendor side. You've seen it from displaying vehicles. You've seen it from obviously having to go out and gather the parts and get all the promotional stuff together. But you, you've even seen it from the publication side. So, man, yeah. you've got a really unique perspective. And if if I'm asking you too much on this, man, just say, no, Brian, you're stupid. I don't want to talk to you about that crap. It gives me flashbacks and I have PTSD. I wonder if there's like a SEMA. No, that, it can't be an STD because that'd be horrible. <laughs> You probably catch one of those if you walk through some clouds of like smoke and spit or whatever's coming out when people sneeze on you. <laughs> but um, I think it's how I got chlamydia the second year. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> no, that was after our SEMA, Brad. That was not your. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't during the halls. <laughs> no, that that's right. That was that was outside. It was a koala bear peed on me. It's a true story. <laughs> oh, God. Google that. You can get it from that. But um. <laughs> Yeah, so, you shower under it like in one of those Irish Spring commercials. Wow. The visual I didn't need. We're all visual people here. <laughs> I'll describe my tattoo and you can have the whole thing figured out. But um, that got weird. Uh, if I have to stop and say that, things got really weird. But so like, man, how do, how do I begin to say this? So seeing it from every angle that you've seen it, and I know this would be a tough thing. Because every side of this has its own challenges. What would you say is the hardest part leading up to SEMA? I mean, from from any angle. I mean, I'll let you just, because that's a broad Um, question. Well, no, absolutely. SEMA presents challenges all the way around. Um, I've had every badge, you know, from media all the way to vendor. And uh, the building the vehicles that's ridiculously challenging um, to turn out, you know, the nicest quality you can. And like you said, 90 days time, uh, most paint jobs should take longer than that, (laughs) but you still smell the clear walking the floor. I mean, like my painter hates me. That's just how it goes. (laughs) The seats are still mooing. (laughs) Totally. Like everything there is extra rare. There's no medium rare about it. Um, But by far, by far the most challenging and rewarding, um, you know, as a kid, last year was my 20th year at SEMA. Um, wow. And I'm young-ish. <laughs> so 
to, to break 20 years going and seeing all the different trends from when it was empty to when it's overly full to when it's the year for Mini Coopers for when it's and all the little trucks and everything in between. Um, the hardest, hardest, hardest part of SEMA by far is being a vendor because um, you are there as a trade show. You pay buku bucks to get new dealers to present your new product. Um, and it's nerve wracking. I mean, the ROI that is needed to set up a booth at SEMA is just ungodly. You pay for the air you breathe. Um, you know, you pay for electric and internet and every little thing that you don't even know. It's still a learning experience for me as well. Um, but it's definitely way more challenging than the sleepless nights of shooting photos and drinking with all you, you, you clowns. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that is there too. Um, you know, you're presenting your new product to the world. You know, we talk to people from all over Germany, all these, all these countries. Um, and that is an amazing experience to let them touch, feel and see your baby. Like you said, your company is your kid that you, you brought to life. So it's a whole nother different set of dreams when, when, you open the trade show floor at 7 a.m., not hungover because you're working your booth. <laughs> right, and that's – oh, my God. It's crazy, man. It's definitely crazy. Um, but the, the vehicles to me still holds a soft spot in my heart because there's just something about being told you can't do it and continually doing it time and time again. And it's it doesn't ever get better. It gets worse. <laughs> it's <laughs> – <laughs> it's harder and harder. It's not easier and easier. <laughs> and and there's so much that goes on too. Like we we had a we've had some pretty good discussions in the past on the podcast where we've talked about you know sponsorships and the the value of maintaining relationships with the sponsors you know who bring you to the show. Absolutely. So I mean that's got and that's a whole other thing to balance too. So you're not just out there trying to make sure that the thing makes it. Because, you know, at that point, you're contractually obligated. Yeah, it's, absolutely. You know, it's... Especially, it's I mean, to properly do SEMA and to properly build a vehicle that's displaying a new product at a trade show, not a card show. <laughs> right. Do it right. And to do it properly, you are representing this company in their booth with this brand new thing. Um, and whether it's a new car, which is kind of how SEMA is geared toward, you know, the, the 2018 has this new intake. As much as people want to make fun of it, that's what the hell SEMA is. Um, us custom car guys who just want to see this laid out Merc or whatever, you know, um, that they might have a new product that's car stereo or wheels or whatever. But SEMA is a trade show. And those that properly pull it off um, are obligated to fulfill those responsibilities. Exactly. And I mean, and that falls on everything, too, especially if you're building the car. Yeah. You may have your car in their booth because it's got their brake system or their suspension on it, but everything about that vehicle reflects on them. So, like, right. if you've got, you know, inch and seven-eighth gap at the bottom of your front door, right. you or know, and, and your hood is overlapping onto the windshield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I mean, you're horrible. responsible for, for that brand. Um, you know, whether they're the huge company with 20 cars in their booth, or they're the little guy with the one car trying to get going. You are that brand, and everything you do should reflect that brand. And if you take that responsibility seriously, you will do the best you can for that company. Oh, for sure. And I think that's an important lesson no matter what you're doing out there. If you're a guy who held it, if you're just starting sweeping up at a shop someplace, 
then there's so much to learn in that. Take pride in that. Do the best job possible to sweep that floor because that's going to build in you. And you're thinking, oh, I don't, I'm better than sweeping a floor. No, that little habit is going to build on you where no matter what you do after that, you're going to apply that to every single thing you do. 100% believe in that. Um, I mean, the normal famous quote is uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Nice. <laughs> oh, I like it. I trimmed everything back. Yeah, I, I went through a 20-minute dissertation on sweeping. <laughs> but that's really, I mean, I wholeheartedly believe in that because I've half-assed a lot of stuff and it does not work. Uh, unless you full-ass it, <laughs> you ain't getting nowhere. <laughs> and if you quarter-ass it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't even try. I mean. <laughs> I always had this whole idea. It's like, you know, if you're going to slide down the banister, man, grip it as tight as you can with both cheeks. <laughs> You know, Again, a visual unnecessarily. Yeah, this in is. My head. <laughs> we just call this episode "Brian Gets Naked," but um, what else is new? <laughs> is it tequila Tuesday. or whiskey? What, what's your What's your trigger? What's a What's your trigger? What's the naked trigger? The naked trigger. I have yet to figure it out. Um, oh, I'll be right. honest with you. I, it's rare that well, I get naked. Good credit. Like it just doesn't happen. Yeah. See, now I'm just I'm bad mouth myself. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. It's it's bourbon. But um... <laughs> well, most people have the you know get naked with this liquor or fight with this liquor. I mean, there's two options, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fighter. I'm a sleeper. <laughs> or sleep with this other liquor. <laughs> That's exactly. It's like what, what's Brian going to do? Oh, he's getting wasted. Where's he going to be? He's going to be on the couch. <laughs> I'm a cheap date. I'm like two drinks and I'm out. Nice. But, you know, and I remember having that drilled into me though as a kid where it was like, do everything perfect. And it hurts me now because like I'll be working on a project for someone and I'm in there detailing every last thing. I'm like, well, the car's going to have lug nuts on it. I'm drawing lug nuts, damn it. Right. You have to be perfect in every little thing. Yeah. And it just becomes the way you do things. And that kind of flowed over into when I get, I'd be helping people write sponsorship proposals and you'd get these guys where it's the worst thing you've ever read in your entire life. <laughs> totally. I equate SEMA sponsorship proposals to job resumes because you can get the worst text um, to talk, you know, like the, <laughs> they, they write you as the letter U in a job resume. <laughs> A number four. Yeah, and they do that in SEMA sponsorship proposals, and you're yeah. kind of like, I can never let you represent my company. Just like I can never hire you. You don't take yourself seriously. <laughs> That's right. Uh, man, how do you – I'm not even going to – nope, not even going to think about it. Okay, <laughs> picture, there, there's my trigger. I'm not going to get naked with... over that. <laughs> I might throw something across the room, but hey. – Hey, Mike, I'm just picturing a proposal really written up like that going, wow, that's man, that's the effort they put into it. I tell you what, like in the age of um, instant gratification and social media DMs, we daily, I don't even respond to them anymore, get sponsorship proposals with sponsorship spelt wrong. And their <laughs> messages, they're just... There's a C in sponsor right now. <laughs> you are, they're literally messages that says, Yo, man, love your gear. Would love to get some. Do you sponsor? With sponsor spelled wrong. Um, and that's wow. just the day and age we live in. It's just a misunderstanding of what sponsorship means. Um, it's laziness. Yeah, and they just, yeah, I mean, that they 
they type like they text. They, I mean, that's their education. I don't understand because, like we talked about, I didn't, I didn't finish school. I didn't go to school. But no matter what, you just put your best foot forward. And I feel like if that's their best effort, contacting companies that way, just like every other company feels, I'm sure, they're not going to get a response. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The whole idea of sponsorship is like, okay, say I'm hitting you up. What can I give you? If you're giving me this, what can I give you in return for making that worth your while? And right. and and kids don't look at that. I just I want free stuff. Okay, what are you going to give me in return? What right. do you need? We need to like like they took and they changed the meaning of the term literally to mean right. you know figuratively, and now it just means right. whatever. <laughs> yeah, <But laughs> that's a whole other topic. We could, we could do an hour and a half on that. <laughs> well, yeah, but but what we need to take sponsorship as far as it comes down to especially this industry and change that so it either equates to or instead of people's minds it automatically triggers that word partnership right partnership um the the way i like to look at it is trade what are you going to offer me in value for what i'm going to offer you in value it's it's a it is a partnership it's a it's a trade what are you going to give me for what i give you there's Um, your tagline Putting the trade in trade show. Right. I mean, literally, that's that's what it should be. Um, there's been a couple of good editors that have written, you know, like like sponsorship, like how-tos, and here's some good... Hey, for you kids out there who think this is... Sponsorship is the professional version. Like, we are the pros building the rides compared to the amateurs who need to build their name and pay for their own parts and get their name on that masthead or byline or in the magazines before they can even think of offering a trade value. Nice. Uh, that, yeah. Dude, and that was outstanding. That is the that, equivalent. That, wow. Really, that, that's your name on the jersey. Right. You <laughs> have to make it to the pros. You have to get through AAA and, and minors, and, and you have to do all these things before you are the one approached by companies to represent them. Nice. Yeah. And that falls right back on that, again, the same thing we keep talking about grind 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 i mean but always better yourself you gotta put in the work you keep grinding the same shit (laughs) well if you can't even learn to spell sponsorship you're probably not going to get one (laughs) (laughs) so the the lesson here is is... spell sponsorship right (laughs) So, so the lesson to be taken from this is if you're looking for sponsorship use a spell check you know um have somebody proofread it very and and offer what you can bring to the table other than just asking for free shit. Right. Yeah. And you don't want to just offer to, I mean, you've got to, you actually have to build yourself a brand. And this is so important. If you're just starting to build a brand for yourself, always think about that because it, I mean, you know this, Mike. I mean, shit. Yeah, How many 100%. brands have you built? And yeah. it's not That's like you forget good. any of them. We're, we still have to get to your latest one, but. <laughs> Oh yeah, we we've Good made it Lord, all the way, dude. Just <laughs> the coolest oh. thing I've ever seen. But like, it, oh my god, you've got to have something going other than, oh, bro, I'm going to show this to all my other bros that are hanging out at the Piggly right. Wiggly Cruising next right. Saturday, and we're and all going to have broners. Maybe don't they're going to buy. Money. Maybe they'll buy <laughs> one. Can you sell us a pallet product and want sponsorships? <laughs> Yeah, I think honestly, like it's it's just become so watered down. That's that's all it is. It's just a watered down of understanding. Um, yeah, just like you said, for jobs, sweep the floor first, 
you know, figure out taking out the trash, move your way up, just like life, just like resumes, just like anything else. What are you doing to build yourself to add value to whatever the goal is? Right. Right. And, and again, I mean, if you're starting out at a place too, and you're sweeping the floors, be the best floor sweeper they've ever had. So the next guy that comes in, he has no choice but to raise the bar and be an even better floor sweeper. And, well, you know, and you can't move up until you've taught someone to do that. You have to constantly learn whatever the job is above you, no matter what. Exactly. And, and I think that's the ideal way. If I mean, Grant, that's the dream. You'd love to hire a group of people like that who start at the bottom and right. do spectacular work and train the next guy to do better. So everybody that moves up, I mean, you know, it doesn't happen that way because you always get one disgruntled guy who doesn't show up the following Monday and he's across, he's across town writing a sponsorship, you know, C-E-R-S-H-I-P. <laughs> we're going to get drunk at the SEMA, Brian, and we're getting sponsorship tattooed on us somewhere. I'm in. Foreheads. Oh, we're going to, oh, dude. Let's get it. We'll, we'll get it matching. We'll get half of the word. <laughs> Tramp stamps. There you go. Sponsorship. Oh, no, no, no. You got to do it on your back somewhere, and it's going to be a flip of a coin. One of you has to have it spelled wrong, but you don't know who it is until it's done. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> One more good. coin flip tells us where the umlaut goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I, I like where this is headed. Hopefully, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Great. The SEMA, SEMA 2018 is going to be. Yeah, for lack of a better word, it's going to be epic. Um, (laughs) There's always a better word. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to tie your brand to epic. So let's cleanse our palate for a second. (laughs) Yeah, no using the word epic. No using the word extreme. Never use the word extreme. (laughs) So extreme. Sounds like a good brand for a for a new shop. What if it is extreme? It's not, though. It can never be. <laughs> ever. Extreme got played out in the 90s, that's for well, sure. So Done. the new name is More Extreme. Extreme, triple X. A- extreme-er. Yeah, extremer-er-er. <laughs> extreme cubed. Oh, no. Okay. Extreme. It was like Extreme a 3. <laughs> with three Zs. My least favorite Z's. album by that band. But, um... <laughs> Enough they named it that I don't care. <laughs> Three albums, who gives a crap? But okay, uh, presently, it, yeah, it is extreme, but in a good way. Um, <laughs> your current venture, Flow Air Ride Manufacturing, correct? That's Dude. where we're at. We made it. <laughs> Seriously, cool products. Thank you guys. Like I, I hadn't seen them until this last SEMA show. Oh, you guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We actually stood there for quite a while playing with the compressors and the tanks. And, awesome. Yeah. How long how long's that uh, – I'm probably jumping ahead here, but how long's that product been out? No, so that was our debut, um, but we were about a year and a half, almost two years in to launch that. Um, and so now we're at about two and a half. This SEMA will make almost three years. Nice. Outstanding. So you okay? So I jumped too far forward. Tell us about the product. <laughs> no, no problem. So basically, the transition again—it's always transitions um, from the media company. Still doing great work. Uh, have a couple guys here helping, but you know, soon, very quickly, realize that even your own online magazine isn't going to get you where you want to be. 
um, financially and building the product and brand that, you know, you'd always envisioned, I've always envisioned. Um, and I've always kind of had an inkling. I'm not an engineer, you know, by any stretch of the word, uh, but love to create. Um, and air ride has been my passion, you know, for almost 25 years since I was a kid. Uh, and I wanted to jump headfirst into product design, creating a product rather than just a brand. Um, nice. To do that is a whole world of headache and trouble and money and, you know, a bunch of boring, 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 boring work behind closed doors. You know, the late at night stuff that no one sees with the lab coat. But um, from that, the ash, from the ashes came um, bespoke billet air ride components. Um, uh, we're still refining the compressor. So that hasn't even made it to market yet for final release and production and uh, billet air air tanks um, that have just a really cool, unique look about them and um, the highest quality components machined right here in San Diego. Um, and we're basically small batch. We're bespoke. We're, we're taking manufacturing slowly so we can perfect our products as we go and continually improve and offer um, better and better equipment for the air ride industry. Excellent. So you guys make your own compressors, really? Yes. Yeah, so currently we're working on two models, and then there's another model that we're we're working on. That was that behind closed doors thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll show you again this year. Um, and there's there's multiple motors sourced, and there's multiple engineers who have been working on the product with us. Um, but all of the externals and most of the internals are built here. And then we have two sources where we do outsource um, specific motor components. Amazing. But so the air ride compressor is, it's, it's this fabled thing because in the air ride community, um, you're constantly battling a few things. Um, you know, you want it fast, you want it quiet, and you want the air, you know, as quick as possible. But, um, you know, it's kind of picked two out of the three. So we're constantly refining and tweaking internal components and external components to create the best of all the different worlds. So you, you're going to be able to pick if you want it fast, if you want it quiet, you want it, you know, um, amperage and, and a few other options that we're basically tweaking because every car is different and every customer is different. We don't think one compressor is, is a one-size-fits-all type solution. So the good old days of, you know, good, fast, or cheap, choose two – Right. <laughs> it pretty much holds true. Uh, that's what we're trying to get back to. Currently, I mean, there's there's a few reliable options, um, but they're just not they're they're old. They're not cutting it, and that's the market why we chose to attack air compressors and air tanks only, not the crazy air management side. Um, there's several companies that do a lot of great things in the air ride industry. We just wanted to give our own spin to some components that have always been. The redhead stepchild of air ride and tucked under the car because they're ugly and they're loud and they're 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 a necessity rather than um, something you're you're excited about. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you guys have made. I mean, it's it's it looks like art. It does. I, and <laughs> that's our <it's>, tech. <laughs> yeah, it's. I I mean, it looks like it should be an integ integral part of a custom build, not something you shove underneath. You know, in the in the recesses of you know. The corner next to the gas tank, underneath where nobody will have to look at it. Right, right. Yeah, that so, was the goal. That was the whole goal was if you're going to spend your money on parts, they need to be good, they need to be reliable. But we wanted to take it to the next level with that, you know, the art of air, 
um, and the art of air supply is our tagline. Basically, just creating art like like we've always done, you know, in the circle, uh, but adding it to the manufacturing side. And it's still a small batch, you know. We're very bespoke, so we can do some custom things and some things that no other companies can really offer because because we are the small guy and, and we're kind of just getting started. Too and cool. that's man. So obviously, without giving anything away, can you talk future plans for the brand? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, currently, like right now, we are still very much trying to launch our compressor. We're working hard toward launching different compressor models. Um, a lot of people ask what the holdup is. Um, as with any manufacturing, we don't want our customers to be our beta testers. So we've been <laughs> testing, 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 um, rather than some, you know, other companies can throw a product out there and then quickly, you know, revamp as they're going. We want to kind of get much closer and uh, we're actually aiming to offer um, a compressor that has a lifetime warranty with the tagline, the last compressor you'll ever need. Um, oh, nice. But we're just not there yet. <laughs> so okay, was- well, this, this, I want to ask you a question, and not to interrupt you here, but yeah. I, I, uh, I was never a big airbag guy just because I was more in a set it up. This is how, you know, whether it's ridiculously stupid low, which is how most of my cars are, I just right. don't have bags on them. But um, the one thing that I've seen with different air compressors that I was never impressed with, and maybe you guys are going a little bit differently, was the air filter into things. Right. Because that's, I mean, that's the most important part of the whole, you know, what, if, if it can't stay clean, it's going to kill the oil inside. It's going to kill the cylinders. Not, now nothing's sealing up and, and you've got a compressor that's not going to work. It's going to work overtime to try to make the same pressure it made in five minutes. Now it's going to take 20. So yeah. it, is that something you guys have, have covered? I mean, really worked on on your deal? Yeah, so there's several areas of improvement, but that's absolutely one of them. Um, we kind of basically use the metaphor or compare it to like amps, like car audio, because a lot of people know car audio better. Okay. Uh, but, you know, that amp worked a certain way right out of the box, and over time it doesn't hold the efficiency. So compressors yeah. are the same way. It's a wearable part. There are, there are the air filters. There's the rings. There's a lot of things that are wearable. Um, and with proper maintenance, they can last you a long, long time. But the air filter is definitely an improvement that we've made. The piston seal is a huge improvement. Um, check valves and certain other little parts where, you know, some other companies will spend pennies for those parts. We'll spend dollars. And that it goes a long way, the internals, improving the internals for, for longevity. Okay. That's that's a big thing. That's just, you know, for me, looking at that going, man, I'm not impressed. Well, that's just, <laughs> you you covered a big deal right there. So that's that's actually pretty good. Yeah, awesome. And even, I mean, just the aesthetics, like we're aesthetic guys, um, just the aesthetics of that plastic air filter on the front of your compressor. Um, that's why we've kind of taken the art and the billet and the handmade, you know, um, you know, billet pieces. So, well, they will perform better, but they're a thousand times better to look at. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> And they're not going to break. I mean, if you have a plastic thing, right. it's going to get old and hot and more in the cold and whatever, and it's going to start falling apart. So Absolutely. You know, the aluminum's not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which which will hopefully help uh, us keep to our warranty claim. Well, there you go. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> nice. Yeah, you always want that to be your, your smallest staffed part of the company. You don't you want to have like, oh, hey, meet our warranty department. It's 72 names. So big. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's 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 one thing like, you know, I'll take criticism for for taking a little longer to make something right any day of the week than, you know, shipping it too fast and it, it just not being perfected. 
Oh, yeah, because that's a brand killer right there. I mean, you just need one or two of the wrong people to have one that just wasn't quite ready, and you're right. sunk. Right. Yeah, and every part, I mean, every single company does have their tech department, their warranty department. Um, things go wrong. Things are installed wrong. Uh, different vehicles weren't set up properly, um, and there's fallout. I mean, things break, What, whatever. Sure. But as long as you stand behind your product, you do the best you can, and you take care of your customer. I mean, I think no matter what, when you give something your all, whatever that something is, it, it'll always come back for you. You always do okay. Yeah, nice. Awesome. That's a, dude, as I said at the outset of this, man, you've got, like, the most positive, like, can-do kind of attitude. <laughs> man... <laughs> It's annoying to my wife, let me tell you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I, I I am in awe of you. I I try to keep a positive attitude and it, it you know, it rarely happens. But, <laughs> but I like your negative quirks too. I mean, like that helps me just read about it and look at it and then go, "All right, cool. Yeah, I feel that way too. I'm not going to tell anybody that because man, I'm Mr. Positive." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and if you read my crap for inspiration, you're like, man, this guy is completely unemployable. I'm not going to read. I'm going to tell anybody to read this. It's perfect. What were you it, reading today? I was reading Tim Ferriss. He had a great article on uh, going fishing on the third Saturday of the month. Meanwhile, the reality is you're like, oh, yeah, Brian's got a rant again about misshapen special K cereal. And, and then I went through the comments to look at Max's, and then I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Max comments, yeah, this is going to go all day. I got shit to do. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, Brian's not getting anything done. <laughs> right. No, I really, I mean, <clears throat> it's almost a downfall at times because people will come to me at my shop or an employee or a product or a vendor or anything we're working on at any given time, and there's fires, like you guys have mentioned. When you're building a company, building a brand, building a product, doing anything, there's things that go wrong. Yeah. And I don't know, for whatever reason – Call it a knack for positivity, but we always find a way around it. We find the solution. We find something better, improvements, this and that. But if you just sink that ship right away by saying, oh, this is fucked, this is bad, this is horrible, you turn your brain off for the ability to think of the solution or to come up with a better idea. And I've just always, always, always pushed myself toward the other side. Like, all right, that's that's rad. That's awesome. I'm glad that broke because now we can do this, that, and the other. And everyone's looking at you like, well, wait, what? Are you what nuts? Yeah, we're, <laughs> what? You're do you know what just happened? <laughs> yeah, we had an opportunity to make it better. That's what happened. Exactly, exactly. And it, it is a totally different way to think, and it really, really goes a long way in anything. You know, and I learned at the magazine, basically for magazine print publishing, you know, you're pushing shit out the door every four weeks. It doesn't matter. It's going on the newsstand. And early on in life, that taught me, like, I don't care what happens. It's shipping. Like, I don't care if this place burns the hell down. I don't care about your mom. I don't care about your dog. That newsstand needs to be filled with this magazine. Yeah. But it taught me just something weird or something valuable as, as, as at a young age that things that are out of your control, you leave out of your control. The things you can control, you do the damnedest to control it in a, in a, a good light or make it the best you can. Yeah. Nice. Dude, that's, I think that, I'm not blowing smoke at you, I think for anybody listening, if you made it to this point of the episode and you still don't get why <laughs> why, why Mike is, is doing the things he does and making 
the name he has for himself and putting out the quality product he has. That's the answer right there. Boys and girls, life lessons with Mike Alexander. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny you said that. Uh, we have a group chat. A couple of friends of mine, actually, um, Randy Johnson does a podcast. Um, it's called like Risk Without Regret. And I was one of his early, early guests, but we have a, a group text chat between me, him, and Chris Moose, who used to work at Misfit Industries. He's a badass hot rod builder now. Yeah. Um, but the name of that group text is called Life Lessons because we always just send each other positive, uplifting stuff to like help us get through the day as cheesy as that sound. That just sounded so corny. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's awesome. We we have one with the podcast and we, we call it See If You Can Live Through This. And it's... <laughs> It literally, oh, yeah. the screen goes black and it's black type on a black screen it's it's that dark mine's titled what the hell is brian going to say today <laughs> you guys that's why you keep them on right i mean come on comic relief yes hey oh. hey oh come on you give us life lessons i mean you know i'm talking Don't about no no i can't i can't go before we start recording never mind that's it's called serving as a warning. There's a very big difference. <laughs> the warning light. <laughs> so, dude. Well, man, I it, this one, like, I, I, I knew it was going to be a fun episode with you. And I knew <laughs> I was going to walk away with my brain full. And, man, there's so much to churn on this thing. Man, so, let me ask you, um, just because we're here, for somebody who doesn't follow you online... I mean, if you don't, you suck. But <laughs> thanks, buddy. That has to be said. Um, as far as uh, let's say short range goals, we know we, we talked about the new product coming out, things like that. Uh, as far as presence at the uh, the unholy of unholies, the SEMA show. What are you bringing with you? So, short term goals is to finish two of our cars. Um, we have that black 62 f100 um that's going to represent a new product of ours but it, it's going for precision replacement parts in their booth um as they're launching their new ford um rubber weather stripping line um so we're representing them for their booth vehicle um so knock on whatever we got sitting right around here that'll be a badass build <laughs> and then we got a couple others um that we're just partnering up with uh in our booth uh, our good friend Tony Leal is building an insane C10. We're calling it not just another C10 because <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, the thing is it's a, nuts. It's a full frame uh, LT4 powered. Um, it's just going to be ridiculous. Probably the baddest truck uh, to date. And that's going to feature our new product line as well. And that'll be our booth vehicle. And then we have a couple others that'll be future vehicles. And uh, a few partnerships with with key brands throughout the show, um, yeah. And the the short term goal is to survive that. <laughs> to live another SEMA. <laughs> <laughs> so man, and then one last big question, just because we keep touching on this, man. Cause I don't want to take you too much longer because you're I'm taking time away from your family, and it's ironic that I'm going to ask you this question with a young family. <laughs> And all this going on, man, how do you find balance for that? Yeah. Um, that question right there is truly what's made me a better person. Um, 
you know, all the business success or any kind of positive outlook on life is it's fine and dandy. But when you have something else relying on you, um, if it doesn't make you get your shit together, then I don't know what will, (laughs) (laughs) but that truly, um, it's important to me. I make it a point, um, to be on the top of my list, no matter what, um, no SEMA, you know, anything else, no matter what's going on. Um, your family all is always going to be there and not to get too sappy, um, growing up pretty rough, um, single family, uh, single parent family, all, all kinds of stuff. Um, but in the past, holding my kids in my arms and not wanting to do the very best I can for them, it, I just can't see it any other way. <laughs> it's super hard to describe, but I didn't have it and I want to be that. Um, so I, I find balance no matter what it takes. Um, sometimes they'll come here for dinner. Um, I always try to make it home for dinner if I'm in town. Um, we sit around at the dinner table and even at three years old, it cracks me up and I love it. Um, daddy, how's your day? How was your day at work? Did you get a lot done? Um, you know, keep crushing it. You know, my three year old asks me how many air tanks we built today. Uh, what colors were they daddy? Um, he comes into the office and it just brightens my day. Like, you know, at the weekend he can come to the shop on a Sunday. Um, but we always just try to include each other, um, and encourage each other. And I think, I don't know. There's just something about the family aspect that it gives me the motivation to do all this. And it gives me a reason, you know, a why all that corny, cheesy crap. It's it's true. (laughs) I think it's corny or cheesy. I think it's spot on. Nothing about that. That's absolutely. That's why I'll repeat it again. You, you rank, you're one of my heroes, man. Oh, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff. What's that? You're going to make me blush here. Oh, good, man. You should. <laughs> good thing it's radio. They can't see it. <laughs> I'll take a screen grab. This is going to be awesome, man. Uh, well, we're going to have to change the title Photoshop of this one. It. It's going to be bright red mic. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I mean, speaking of heroes, you know, we talked, touched on Courtney and Mike Finnegan and some of the guys I looked up to coming up. But, Brian, honestly, when I hit you up for artwork uh, through Max and, and Grundy and all these other guys, I came to you – it wasn't even your style or whatever, and we had fun with it. But I came to you because on my list of artists and heroes and people that I looked up to um, growing up, I always loved your robots, your your out, just your quirkiness was always something I admired. Because sometimes I try to be too serious or work too hard or do these things, and I love your take on things and your vision and your eye. So I think we connected pretty early on for a reason, and I, I just took that as a really big compliment. So thank you. Shit, man! I thank you. Damn! I, now who's blushing? No doubt. Grab. Ah, crap! It's not video for your side. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. Okay, he still doesn't have his pants on. <laughs> oh, I ain't gonna be able to put them on for a while now. But uh, <laughs> well, thank you. On that, I, I, here's the wife. Uh, on that note, see you guys later. <laughs> no, I I was honored that you asked me at that point, man. And, yeah, it's just uh, always, you know, I think the like-mindedness people find each other. Um, you know, I'm not superstitious or, you know, anything like that. But ultimately, like, you're drawn to different people. And anytime you guys can help each other, we can help each other. This industry, the automotive industry, is so, so small and tight that a lot of people don't recognize that. 
Um, and it's, it's made up of a lot of great people. And I think, um, you know, we're very fortunate in the automotive industry to not have to go get real jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's the one thing, like it becomes family and you may have people you don't see aside from SEMA or like Grand National Roadster Show or something like that. You see them maybe once a year, maybe once every two years, but every time you bump into that person, you pick right up where you left off. The, it, and it's awesome. I mean, there's so little drama and the drama that does pop up is always laughable like six months later. Totally. <laughs> so, it, dude, it, it doesn't get better. I mean, yeah, there's off days. Who cares? It happens. Yeah. And we all work through it. I mean, I think in automotive, we are fortunate enough that our off days, it's, you know, we laugh about magazine buyouts or we laugh about all this other stuff. Um, in other industries, when that happens, I mean, a lot of people are crushed and never recover. Um, we're a resourceful bunch. <laughs> I think we'll always get through it one way or another. Hell yeah. I mean, we are full of a lot of really creative and, you know, there, there's a lot of right brain activity going on. You know, yeah. dude, this is a whole, that's a whole other episode for another time though. And like I said, I'm, I, I feel like I'm not taking you away from your family at all anymore. I want you to get home to them. Uh, Please, from us, man, thank your beautiful wife and your, your two beautiful kids, man. Because you do have, you have a great, you you have a, like, speaking of aesthetics, you've got a great looking family, man. I, I got lucky. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> you guys, I look at you and you, like, I, I remember the first time I saw a picture of your family, I'm like, oh, he, he needs to take the, the pictures that come with the frames out. <laughs> like, thank you so much for your time and, man, just for sharing as much as you did, I mean, you gave some brilliant insight. I, I can't wait to, to get this out there and, you know, hopefully it inspires, you know, some kid who's sitting in his room flipping through a magazine. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it, guys. I mean, honestly, like, um, it's hard not finding the time. I would do this every night, all night. Um, but it really is hard to think that I have that kind of stuff to offer because just the dude doing the thing, just like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you from the beginning we're on my short list when we presented a list of people and we we're starting this up and i said dude mike's mike's one of the guys he, he's a go-to for me like i said because I, I respect you i i dude you are a hero of mine and just what you bring as far as work ethic and everything else you literally you you embody everything that is kind of that dream for somebody getting into this so man, that's uh dude that's not lip service. That's uh, that's the real deal, man. You, holy crap! Thank I'm you, man. That's a lot, especially coming from you, man. Oh, I don't know about that, man. Coming from me, I'm like, I am out of words now. The end. <laughs> 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 well, thank you guys again for reals. I'm truly honored as well. I look forward to hearing it edited. Uh, I don't know how that works with all the nipple talk and whatnot, but. Oh, it's going to be mostly nipple talk. Oh, it'll it'll stay. He'll just take the hair part out of the nipples, but the nipples are fine. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remix it with nipple, nipple, nipple. It's going to be nipple compressor, nipple compressor, compressor, nipple. It's going to be awesome. That's the new nipple. title. <laughs> hey, thank you again. I appreciate your time, man. And, dude, have a, have a great rest of your week. All right. You guys, too. Looking forward to hearing it. We'll talk Thanks. soon. Thank you so much. Right. Talk to you soon, man. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 I think we've kind of handled the wow of tonight's episode. Um, <laughs> Mind-blowingly good. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add. Um, 
what more could be said? <laughs> you yes. know, I really think if, again, if you're, if, you know, if I were a youngster and I stumbled across this guy, he would be my Tim Ferriss, you know, or my Gary Vaynerchuk. This is the guy I'd be listening to. Um, obviously, he's done it all. He, he's making a name for himself. He's a hell of a nice guy. Yep. That's the icing on top of the great cake. That dude is 100% class, wonderful human being, man. Cannot say thanks enough. So, um, yeah, man. Wow. Episode 19 is uh, in the bag, kids. Literally, haha, <laughs> in the bag. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so... Anyhow, uh, with that corny joke out of the way, uh, I guess uh, it's it's painfully obvious that I'm still Brian. Uh, no, nah, it's okay that you're still Brian. I'm uh, I'm still Brad, and I'm still Eric. And we will catch you guys next week. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. And if you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on YouTube.com. <laughs> you want this in the old English font? Yes. Across your belly, like you bought. <laughs> and just to piss Brad off, can you drop Shadow off to what side? Oh, on the wrong <laughs> side. The wrong side. <laughs> the wrong drop. No. <laughs> <laughs>